Did anybody leave confused after last week's lesson? I mean, besides me. Let's turn to Romans chapter number two. This is pretty deep stuff. I mean, I've read Romans, I don't know how many times, many, many times. But you start going verse by verse, word by word, punctuation marks. You, you can just visualize how smart, intelligent Paul was and how God used his mind to, and his, his boldness to just, you know, express what God needed him to say. And it's just great. No one got confused except this half the church that didn't show up this morning. They can't <laughs> seem to find out where the church is at, but hopefully they'll get over it by the time church starts. Wait a minute. Okay, we were in chapter number two, and we were looking at um, verses 12 through 16. I'm going to read these, and we were talking about... Um, the equality of judgment. We were talking about the Gentiles, the heathen, as they're sometimes called in the Bible. That would be us. And, and the Jews, and we were discussing uh, how that the Jews had the law and the Gentiles did not have the law, but they had law, a law within themselves. And we were talking about that last week. I want to kind of pick up again on, on where we were at. Let's look at verses 12 through 16. And it's kind of in the middle part there where the parentheses are is where Paul really is trying to explain what he's saying. Verse number 12, let's say a word of prayer. We thank you, Father, for the privilege, Lord, of learning your Bible, Father. Thank you, Lord, for the word of God. and Help us, Lord, to understand it, Father, more so we can serve you better, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Chapter 2, verse 12, For as many as have sinned without law, remember that's not the law, that's just without law, shall also perish without law, and as many as have sinned in the law shall be judged by the law. Parentheses, okay? So it's the same thought. For as many as have sinned without law shall also perish without law. Verse 13, for not the hearers of the law are just before God, but the doers of the law shall be justified. For when the Gentiles, which have not the law, do by nature the things contained in the law, these not having the law or a law unto themselves, which show the work of the law written in the hearts, their conscience also bearing witness, and their thoughts the meanwhile accusing or excusing one another in the day when God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. So we were, we were talking about, last week we had um, uh, two objections uh, about God's judgment. The Jews had a, an objection. Wait a minute, we've had the law, we're God's chosen people, therefore we're God's favorite people, God's given us all this stuff and all these blessings. How could he condemn us? How could he judge us? That was their objection. We have everything. God should show us favor. The Gentiles had an objection. Hey, we didn't get the law. We haven't heard nothing. We don't have anything that the Jews have. How can we be judged and condemned for our sin. We didn't know. 
Okay? So Paul, last week, uh, he, he talked about the Jews first. The Jews wanted to be treated more leniently as far as their judgment with God. And Paul spent some time here and kind of removes both of these objections. And we read here in verse 13, For not the hearers of the law are just before God, but the doers of the law shall be justified. This is the first time you see that word justified is in verse 13 there. Justified. We'll talk more about justification later on. In chapter 3, we'll explain what that is, but, but it's there. Uh, so not to hear is the law, we discussed last week, that if you hear things, if you go to church, hear the plan of salvation, whatever it is you, you hear, and you don't do anything about it, does the hearing do you any good? I mean, you've heard the gospel, but if you don't make a decision, just because you heard it, you've got to make a decision. Okay. So that's, Paul was dealing with the Jews and said, you can't be a hearer, you have to do it. And when you do it, you've got to do all of it. Remember that? You can't offend in any bit of it. We looked at some scripture. If you have the law, you've got to follow it. You can't hop, skip, jump around and do this, not do that. You've got to follow it 100%. And no one has done that. No one can do that. Therefore, you're guilty still. Okay, so he, he kind of uh, disposed of that objection, you have to obey it. The law was not a, a, a philosophy or a thing God was toying with, it was his law. And his law told you what was right and what was wrong and what would happen if you offended it. Read Leviticus. Anything you can think of, there's, there's a, a dove or a cow that's in trouble. You know what I mean? You've got to bring an offering. You've got to do something. You've got to sacrifice for your sins. And last week we discussed also that once that's done, you walk away, and what's still in your mind? Conscience. Guilt. I did this thing. Uh, the bullock didn't take it away. He just satisfied God's law. Okay. Now this week, I think last week we touched a little bit on, we're just getting into... Um, uh, the objection that the Gentiles had. We don't have the law. We don't have any idea what's going on. Well, we do. Let me find my place here. So, the Gentiles, it says here in verse number 12, as many as have sinned without law shall also perish without law. The Jews will be judged... The Gentiles shall perish. Do you see that? It says they'll be per they will perish. They won't be judged by the written law, but they're going to perish. That's their judgment. This sounds so severe. It hasn't changed. Remember back in chapter 1? Paul, through the Holy Spirit, outlined what the heathen did. How God gave them, in their hearts, the knowledge of God. He gave it to us. Um, I know when I was, uh, when I got back from Korea in 1974, I was looking. I was looking for a church. I was looking for something. I, I needed something. And I think anybody that got me would have had me. 
I was that open. I really needed something. And fortunately, this, this girl at McDonald's raised to eat every night um, invited me to church. And I went there and got saved. And I've given my testimony before. But, but you know, I was, I was open. I know I needed something to fill a void in my life. And I was looking. And, and thank God uh, he brought someone to my life that would show me you know, where I could find that. Because could, I could have been a Mormon today. Who knows? White shirt, name tag. Elder, and I really am. I'm, I'm older. I could, I would have been older, not elder. <laughs> so, let's let's look at verse fourteen now. For when the Gentiles, which have not the law, do by nature the things contained in the law, these having not the law or a law unto themselves. This is where we get a little bit deep here. The second objection, we, we're, the, we're the Gentiles, we never got the law. So this verse right here, verse number 14, doesn't have any connection to the other verses except for verse number 12. And we'll show you that. It connects to the first part of verse number 12. For all, as many as sin without law shall perish without law. Verse 14, for the Gentiles which have not the law do by nature the things contained in the law, these not having the law or a law unto themselves. Uh, this um, objection by the Gentiles, we're not a hearer, we shouldn't have to be judged, but verses 14 and 15, Paul answers this. God cannot justly condemn the Gentiles since he's not given them the law, but he can because they don't have the external written law like the Jews had. What did they have? They had a law written on their hearts. They had an internal law. They had the law of conscience. So did the Jews. But the Gentiles, that's all they had. They knew right from wrong. How did they know that? God gave it to them. It's instinctive now. It was written in their conscience, in their hearts. They knew right from wrong. And the more you did wrong, the more you became immune to your conscience saying it's wrong. Now, this verse says, he proves a couple things here. Because they do naturally the things that the law requires, it shows that they have a law with themselves. If they follow the law, and the law is, you know, the Ten Commandments, let's just use those, that's usually talking about 613, Ten Commandments. If they don't kill, if they don't steal, if they don't have an idol, if they don't do all these things, why don't they do them? Because they have a conscience. Killing, killing's wrong. Stealing is wrong. I don't want to worship this rock or this uh, image. Uh, I don't want to covet my neighbor's wife. I don't want to do all these things. They had that law in their hearts. So they understand it. It's, it's right and wrong. They, they know the difference. That's what they have. That's a law within themselves. And they act according to that law. Not every heathen, not every Gentile was, was uh, wicked and evil. There were some good men. You can see them in the Bible. Good men. So this shows that there is a law. They were not devoid of conscience. Because it says here in verse 15, because of what they have, they... Uh, 
and according to their decisions, based on what their conscience said, they accuse or excuse one another. See in verse number uh, 15. They had the knowledge of a law written in their hearts. They knew the difference between right and wrong, what is just and what is unjust. How young can you be saved? What do you have to know? Right and wrong. If you don't know what sin is, it's hard for a young person to get saved. You've got to understand right from wrong. When they understand that, it doesn't take to be, it doesn't take to be very old. I mean, you can learn that you know, when you say, no, that's wrong, don't do that. And they finally make a decision, well, that's wrong, I'm not going to do that. You know, then they know. But when they do it anyways, they know it's wrong. That's when they're accountable. They've reached that age of accountability. I'm responsible for my sins. If I do that thing I'm not supposed to do and I get punished for it, I made that decision knowing that it was wrong, and I'm going to have to suffer the consequences. Now, right? How many of you have ever suffered the consequences before? No, but me, that's okay. You all pray for me. I still do sometimes. Okay? We, we have the knowledge of right and wrong. We know that. We don't always appreciate that. And what's the question we ask them when we're young? And young goes up to about 20-something. You said it, Kathleen. Why? Why is that wrong? Well, let me have your hand. Put it on the fire. What does that feel like? That really hurts. Sometimes that's how I learn stoves are hot. Mom said, don't touch that. Oh, it's a pretty red. Oh. Oh, that's a... You know, <laughs> you know we, we learn by... Sometimes we have to learn by experience, don't we? That's really... So they knew what they were talking about. You know? Don't put metal in the microwave. You know? What happens when you do that? Well, half your kitchen's gone. Okay, so we learn through experience, but we, we know. We know what is just and unjust because our conscience will tell us. We're not the Jews that have to have all the laws. They've got to get on their iPad and skim through. Let me see, I'm about ready to do this. Whoa, whoa, can't do that one. That's a two bullock and a goat. Can you imagine these guys? What do I got to pay for if I do this? You know? They had their written law. So the Gentiles, which have not the law, do by nature that thing that God put in their hearts, do by nature the things that are right. Amen. The things that are contained in the law. They did certain things, though imperfectly, commanded by the law. They did them, but they did them on, they didn't do them according to the law, they did them imperfectly. But they could discern right from wrong. That's when you're accountable. They did nothing, however, in the manner what the law required, that is, uh, uh, through the motive. Why did they obey the law back by the Jews? Because if they didn't, what happened? There was a consequence for that. Up to and including death. They had, a, con they had a, a consequence they had to uh, uh, answer for. So the motive of the Gentile not having the law was just a spirit of obedience 
and a conscience that wanted to please God or, or not pay the consequences. Am I getting through to anybody? So just by their makeup, their, their personal constitution, what makes them them, they wanted to be good. I was raised in a moral family. At least I, at least I think it was. I've heard otherwise a little bit. But anyways, I, 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 was, I was a moral guy. I didn't smoke, didn't drink, didn't go out, didn't chew. Sally didn't, didn't chew much when we first met, so she kicked that habit. I mean, um, get tobacco juice on the side of my pickup truck. It really made me mad. But anyways, we, um, we, um, I was a moral, I mean, I was, I was so moral, I was um, naive. I mean, I, I saw kids in school taking pills and passing out. I went in the Army the first time I, I went there in 17. I was, I was naive. I got smart real fast when you're rolling joints in your room with a cigarette roller. Um, you know, it, all kinds of things going on. Guys coming back from Vietnam on heroin, people getting killed, people getting, you know, it was a mess. I, was, I went to, the, to the, uh, the quick school of what that stuff would do to you. Alcohol, so I was never exposed to that before. So um, I don't know how I got on that, but but I I knew right from wrong. Right. Amen. So they were good moral people, but they weren't saved. People today, good moral people, they're not saved because right. they say I don't do anything wrong compared to the other guys. That's why it's hard to lead folks to Christ. You can't convince them that they're lost. Because they have this conscience. I'm not so bad. I think I'll weigh out okay in the scales of God's justice. Guess what? If you don't have Jesus on the other side of that scale, you're going to sink like a rock. Verse 15 would show the work of the law. The work of the law, there's a distinction between the law itself and the work of the law. What's the, what's the difference? Let's, let's see about that. The work of the law is the thing that the law does. The work of the law is what the law uh, does. If the law says, don't do thus and so, and you don't do thus and so, that's the work of the law. If the law is in your heart, it's your conscience, the work of the law is not doing evil. So the work of the law is what we learn about good and bad, about actions that are pleasing to God and actions that are not pleasing to God. That's what the law has all over it. Okay. So the work of the law is to teach us what is right and wrong? Turn to Galatians chapter 3, verse 24. Galatians chapter 3, verse 24. Wherefore the law was our what? Schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ that we might be justified by faith. When we're growing up, and we ask why, like Kathleen says, why is this wrong? Why are we asking that? Because we want to know why it's wrong. We want to understand why is, why is doing thus and so wrong. And we learn, and that thing that we wanted to do, 
and someone saying don't do that, and us asking why, and they explaining it, is the work of the law in our hearts. We don't do that because it can hurt somebody, or it can hurt you, or you know, whatever it is, depending on what you're doing. It, that's the work of the law. It teaches us. 613 precepts in Leviticus, people didn't know this was wrong, but it is. It displeases God. Some things are there that you would never even think about, but it's in the Bible. Why? Because God doesn't like it, and people were bound to do it. So he had to tell them this is wrong. It was our schoolmaster to tell us what was right and wrong. How many laws do we have in the United States? Tons of them. Amen. Read the Revised Code of Washington someday. If you want to, I used to have to go through that to buy vehicles and stuff. Goodness. And then you need the revised version to understand what the other version says. What are you talking about? It was, it was worse than trying to understand Paul. Thou shalt not do thus and so. <laughs> really? The cops know what the law is. I didn't always know what it is. I had to find out sometimes by talking to the police. Not that I was in trouble, but just to say, call up state patrol. Why can't we do this? Because. My schoolmaster. So the law, the work of the law is what shows us why. Shows us what. So there remains within men, though, a certain degree of discernment of what the law requires. That's, that's the work of the law. The performance or neglect of which is followed by the approval or disapproval of the conscience. We know something's right or wrong. We, we know that. We feel that. Who makes the decision? That's the question. I, I might do this. Who makes that decision? Our conscience does. And we'll do whatever it will bear. We've heard about, we watch forensic files too much. Um, folks have no conscience. Yeah. Amen. They had one, but once they started on their path of evil, they numbed that conscience. They don't listen to it anymore. It's numb. It doesn't speak anymore. They can't hear it anymore, and they go on to what they want to do, all the, the crime they want to commit. But at one time, they knew that was wrong. They ignored that conscience. They ignored that guilt, and now it doesn't bother them anymore. They have no conscience. So the Gentiles know right from wrong. They understand. Without Leviticus, they understand what's right and wrong. They don't understand all the, all the things, Leviticus, all the, the minute things that you can and can't do. You know, if you get sick, you've got to clean your house, and you've got to do this, and whatever it is, and stay away, and then wash. The, you know, they don't do that. But they understand basic right and wrong among other people. It's written in our hearts. There is an illusion here that Paul's getting at. You know how God wrote down on the tablets of stone when Moses was up there? He wrote in our heart with his finger, this is Amen. wrong. This is right. Okay, so that's how we know. Amen. It is God's work telling us what's right and wrong. Verse 15 would show the work of the law written in hearts of their conscience also bearing witness. Their conscience bearing witness. 
And it talks about, and their thoughts. That word thoughts means reasonings. People reason with one another. That's how we get things, that's how we used to get things done. We would reason one with another. Now people just do things and complain about everybody else not doing the same thing. But their reasonings between other, either condemning or defending them. What is the object of their condemnation or their defense? It's not one another. It's between the person they're reasoning with. It's not their own problems. It's reasoning between one another. You read all through the Bible. People reason. We read uh, uh, all through our life. We reason with people. How many of you have ever tried to reason with somebody before? Yeah. How many of you had no problem, no trouble trying to reason with people? I mean, they, they're hard to do sometimes. Reason people. You've got to present your facts. They've got to present theirs. And then you've got to reason. You've got to, got to make a decision. You've got to discuss it. Okay? Now, he's saying here in verse 15 that all through the ages and all places, men are continually in mutual transactions and interaction blaming or excusing each other's conduct. That's what he's saying in verse 15. And it supposes that there's a standard, and the standard is what's right and what's wrong. No man could accuse or condemn another if there was not some standard of right and wrong. God's standard is the law. Man's standard was that law written in the heart. It's wrong for me to kill somebody. Because when I do, that guy can't pay me back or can't, you know, or, or whatever. I, I can't, it's just wrong. God tells me it's wrong. I feel wrong when I have done it or when I think about doing it. There's some standard there that we've always had that tells us something's right or wrong. The Gentiles then, however depraved, lost, or abandoned they were or destitute of the law, they are a law unto themselves because they have the law written in their hearts. Okay? They have sufficient light to discern between good and evil. They know the difference between virtue and depravity. They know the difference between honesty and dishonesty. Their conscience enables them to make a discernment, a distinction. They know before committing sin, while committing sin, and after committing sin, they know. Let me ask you a couple of questions. You don't have to raise your hand. Who ever thought about committing a sin and then changed your mind? I have. Thought about doing something and, and then I changed my mind. Why? My conscience is, oh, you shouldn't do that. How many of you, in the midst of committing a sin, something that you knew was wrong, realized you were doing something wrong? How many of you, after you committed a sin, realized and had regrets for what you did? Yeah. Conscience. Amen. Then we have guilt. I knew I wasn't supposed to do it. I knew it was wrong when I was doing it. And after I did it, I, I, I feel guilty. It was wrong. So that's our conscience. That's the law written in our hearts. Remorse on the account of our 
sins reminds us that there's a God. And He's going to judge us. There's a consequence for that. And we've got to stand before Him and give Him an answer. 1 John 1, 9, though. Amen? 1 John 1, 9. We can resolve that. Amen. I'm glad that's there. Verse 16, In the day when God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. Look at verse number 12. And we had these three verses, 13, 14, and 15, in parentheses. Let's read 12 and then 16. Let's leave out the parentheses. and Let's see what it says. For as many as have sinned without law shall perish without law. As many as have sinned in the law shall be judged by the law. Verse 16, in the day when God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. So you take the parentheses out of there and it says God's going God's to judge us. The stuff in the middle was just dealing with the Jews are going to ha- happen to them, it's going to happen to the Gentiles. And this is how and this is why. Amen. There's no excuse, we're all guilty. We saw that back in uh, chapter 1, verse 18. We're all guilty. Okay? The secrets of men. This is referring to the deep, dark secrets in your heart and your life. Uh, whatever you have there. Let me, let me have you turn to, to Ecclesiastes chapter number 12. Ecclesiastes chapter number 12. Let's see what Brother Ecclesiastes has to say. Chapter 12, verse 14. For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. Whatever we think is personal isn't personal. God knows it. God sees it. And God's going to reveal that in the last day. He's going to make you account for that. And sometimes it's a terrible thought. Get it under the blood. Now let's start on the second half. This chapter 2 was uh, divided in, into two parts. The first part here, verses 1 through 16, was talking about, number one, the hypocrites that were... Uh, condemning the heathen because they did thus and so, and they did the same thing. Remember that, first part of this chapter. Then we got into this equality of judgment. Paul's trying to tell them, the Jews and the Gentiles, God's going to judge you have no recourse. You have no, there's, there's no excuse. The law doesn't save you, neither does being moral. God's going to judge you. God's going to, you have to answer for it. The second half of this chapter, verses 17 through 29, is talking to the Jew, not the Jews, the one, the Jew, person to person. That's what it's talking about, the Jew. Let's look at, uh, oh, let's look at verses 17 through, um, through 21. Behold, thou art called, what? A Jew. He's not talking to the nation of Israel, he's talking to a Jew. There's a lot of A-Jews in the nation of Israel, but he's talking about A-Jew. You call yourself a Jew and rest us in the law and make us boast of God. And knowest his will and approvest the things that are more excellent, 
being instructed out of the law, and art confident that thou thyself art a guide of the blind, a light of them which are in darkness, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of babes, which has the form of knowledge and the truth in the law. Thou therefore which teachest another, teachest thou not thyself? Thou that preachest a man should not steal, dost thou steal? This is verse 22. For thou that saith a man should not commit adultery, dost thou commit adultery? That Thou that uh, abhorrest idols, dost thou commit sacrilege? Thou that makest thy boast of the law, through the breaking of the law, dishonorest thou God? For the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles through you, as it is written. Let's look at this for a minute. We're talking to the Jew, and he starts the second part here. Uh, Paul shows the Jews and reinforces with them, because Paul's a Jew. He's talking about all the external advantages that they have. They had a lot of external advantages. Um, and um, that the Jews had over the Gentiles. I'll read those advantages. Gentiles didn't have any of these, but they are ineffective to prevent God from judging you. There's six things Paul brings up. There's six advantages. They're bearing the name of the Jew. That was an advantage. God's chosen people. I'm a Jew. Having received the law, that was an advantage. Remember, the Gentiles didn't have the law. They had a law. Having the one true God as their guard, God, that was uh, an advantage of the Jews. What did the heathen have? Idols, whatever they could make. Whatever they wanted to worship. Before they knew God, they worshipped everything. Look at Egypt. I think they had more gods than people. I mean, they had gods for everything. Okay, uh, number three, knowing His will. Where was God's will at for their life? In the Scriptures. It was written down. They knew it. God wrote down His will. Do thus and so. Don't do this. Do thus and so, and you'll please me. Worship me, love me, and I will do thus. These covenants that God had with them. Uh, they knew His will. They could discern what was wrong and what was right. How they know that? The law. Anything they could imagine, they go right into Leviticus. You know, they could they could go scroll through there and, and find out God's against that. I mean, they scroll through there and said, well, "God's against so much. He ain't hardly for nothing, huh? Uh, God's against everything, but it was against things that would turn them away from God. That's what the law was. They knew, and they had the ability to teach and guide." Other men. That was their advantage he talked about here in one of these verses. We'll get back to it. The term restus in the law signifies two things. Number one, the Jews didn't have to spend years and travel all over the world trying to figure out what was going on. Didn't have to go here to learn this wisdom and go over here to learn this wisdom and understand this about this and understand that about... They had the written scripture. They had the law. They had the Old Testament. They had God. 
the law that God gave them, the scriptures, made that unnecessary. They, they had everything they had to learn. They had to know right there. It was right in the Bible that they had. They knew the mind of God. They had it right there. They didn't have to search for it. Just had to look it up and, and, uh, in their, their Bibles. The Gentiles didn't have gods. They had false gods. And look at Ephesians chapter 2, verse 12. Talking about the Gentiles, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 12. Everybody's there but me. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 12. That at the time, talking about Gentiles, ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. That was the Gentiles. They didn't have the law. They didn't have the wisdom. They had to search everywhere, and everywhere they went, they found out something different. They were confused. Remember all the enemies around Israel in the Promised Land? All of them worshipped idols. We're going to find out here in a minute. What did the Jews do? Same thing. Like that better than what they had. Okay, so rest us in the law gave them the advantage because they had the information. And he says here in verse 1, Make us thy boast of God. Every boast that a Jewish person had concerned possession of the law. We got it, you don't. That's how they felt. You boast that you have the knowledge of God while other nations are in darkness. The Jew felt far elevated above the Gentiles. They had the truth. Other folks didn't. But rather than tell them, they pushed them away and left them in darkness. It was true, they only had the true knowledge of God and that He had declared Himself to be their God. God told them, I am your God. Look at Deuteronomy. Uh, you don't have to turn right now, but God said, I am your God. I am the Lord. Many times in the Old Testament, I am your God. I love you. This is what I want from you. This is what I expect. You know, when you're leading people, you know what they want to know? What do you expect? How do I know if I'm performing well? How do I know if I'm doing what I'm supposed to do? Well, it takes a little bit of influence from the leader. And a little bit of information about this is what we're doing, guys. This is our mission we had in the military and, and my, my last job. This is what we got to do. The most important thing is to keep X some number of buses on the street. If we get below number X, we're hurting. We're in trouble. We've got to scramble. Everything else stops. We've got to get that resolved. Everybody knew that. Everybody understood that. Everybody appreciated that. So when I changed priorities, because I kept track of what was going on during the day, they understood that, oh, Kurt's concerned about this. I've got to drop this and do a good job. You know, go out there and get this and, and, and get things going, because this is what we've got to do. People understood that. And when people knew that, they performed. They understood. The Jews understood Gentiles never did. They didn't have that. Okay? I'm going to stop here just a minute. Let me just go a little bit more of this, this verse here. So, 
The Jews had the law, Gentiles didn't. Jews were elevated and they despised the Gentiles. There was some strife in this church at Rome and Paul was trying to address that also. The Jews thought they were above the Gentiles and the Gentiles didn't appreciate the Jews. They had this mixed church. Remember that from the first part of this book? There was a mixture there. And, and when the Jews were expelled and the Gentiles grew, the Jews came back and there was some strife there. Two points of view. I'm above the Gentiles because I had the law. Well, in this church in Rome, Paul said, it's not going to do you any good. Amen. You don't need to have the law. You need to have Jesus. Amen. And when you have Jesus, everybody's equal. Because right. the Jews don't get more of him than anybody else does. Everybody gets the same. You get as much as you want. Okay, so that's what he's dealing with here. So it was more common for the Jew to boast about his advantages and privileges, more common to boast about it than it was to be grateful for them. It was more common for them to boast about the privileges than thank God for them. We got them. We're better than you, but let's not thank God for it. They boasted about it. So, in Paul's day, and maybe even today, the Jewish people were extremely proud and confident that God gave, him, God gave them His law and made them a nation. They were very, very proud about that. And they thought this confirmed their status as a specially chosen people, and thus, they said, God's not going to judge us. They thought that guaranteed their salvation. They thought that guaranteed their judgment to be good. And that was wrong. Let's stop here at verse number 18. We'll pick up there next week and have a word of prayer. Thank you, Father, for the lesson today, Father. Pray, God, you bless our church, Father. Pray, God, you cause it to grow, Father. Pray, God, you're being visitors today, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.